Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, so actually I just recently graduated, so we're gonna have to change that intro coming Ooh, up. Well, what do you wanna be called? What should I call you? I guess just, uh, Doctor? doctor? How's attending physician, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi? I don't know. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> All right. And second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. Good evening to you, Aaron. The views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speakers. They do not represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR's School of Medicine. Well, we're very excited and honored to have as our guest on the show, Let's get psyched, Dr. Stephen C. Hayes. Dr. Hayes is Nevada Foundation Professor in the Behavior Analysis Program at the Department of Psychology at the University of Nevada, and author of 44 books and nearly 600 scientific articles. His career is focused on an analysis of the nature of human language and cognition and the application of this to the understanding and alleviation of human suffering. He is the developer of relational frame theory an account of human higher cognition and has guided its extension to acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, a popular evidence-based form of psychotherapy that uses mindfulness, acceptance, and values-based methods. Dr. Hayes, thank you for joining us on Let's Get Psyched. Good to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for inviting me. I thought I would kind of start uh, just the, we're gonna kind of try to focus on some of the foundations uh, and just the origins of ACT. So uh, could you say what some of the key insights that you had uh, as, as a researcher, as a, a thinker, as a philosopher, as someone who develops philosophy of science that led to ACT? Well, it actually came from a place outside of that list, although those things were applied as it de was developed and came, came out of my own panic disorder and uh, running into the limitations of what I knew. I mean, this is going back 40 years ago and I was trained in behavior therapy and in um, cognitive behavior therapy and some in more humanistic approaches. And uh, when I developed a panic disorder, it wasn't until I turned back to things that I learned, um, frankly, more on Hippie Hill as uh, you're, you're talking to a, an old <laughs> aging uh, hippie. Um, and the, you know, the Eastern ideas that were possible, that were popular uh, when I was a young person that I found any traction. And I was fascinated by that and um, thought that's very odd. This is before John Kabat-Zinn and, uh, you know, mindfulness being almost everywhere and, and all the rest of it. So it seemed pretty strange to me to end up there. And so I spent uh, about 15, 20 years developing I did a few randomized trials, only published one of them so a student could get a job, shoved it in the file drawer, not because it was bad, it was good, but I didn't want to cut it out in front until I understood it. And I spent about 15 years trying to work on the theory, the, the principles, the measures, the components. And then in 1999, came out with it. And since then, there's been about 600 randomized trials, three or 4,000 studies of other kinds. The main association behind it has 10,000 members of 27 chapters around the world. So you know, we've been able to do some things uh, in evidence-based therapy, but really it's because uh, my own personal experience, I tried to turn into scientific processes that you can apply person by person to liberate human lives. And that's uh, really what I care about. So 
Dr. Hayes, so, so one of the things that we want to ask you about, oh, sorry, I promised you I'd, I'd say Steve, which is, uh, it's an honor to call you Steve. I gave so, you the option of, hey, you, but you could do Steve. <laughs> I don't know if we're there yet. So, so one of the things we're excited to talk to you about, and, and we'd, we'd love to be able to ask you some things that maybe you don't get asked as often by the, the many, many yeah. interviews you do. Um, so, you know, a productive researcher at a top institution might have 50 publications to their name or have done 50 studies you've done, or, or ACT has done, um, has seen about 3000 studies, which is that comes out to finishing about one study a day over 10 years, right? That's, that's right. roughly kind of what that's like. Did you build an organization? How did you, uh, become kind of exponential like that? And, ha- and, and were you, did you have to let go of some of the um, overseeing of some of the studies in a way that was anxiety provoking in order to be able to have it proliferate to that extent? It's a wonderful question and an uncommon one. Thanks for asking it because I think it's actually one of the more important messages because people need to follow their own trajectories, have their own ideas. But I think there is kind of a model inside what's been developed inside the ACT community. The name, the larger name, we call it uh, contextual behavioral science, because we're really focused on philosophy of science, basic principles, basic science, and uh, social extensions. So we're not just a psychotherapy group. But uh, the answer to that is, uh, you know, I was a political operative before I was, um, uh, I went to graduate school. I was a full-time rabble rouser in California with the first citizens uh, uh, produced um, initiative called the, the Clean Environment Act and uh, ran the San Diego County for the People's Lobby. And so I disrupted uh, Chamber of Commerce organization, you know, meetings. I debated Pete Wilson. Some of you in California might even be familiar with the name, uh, you know, as a 20-year-old. And I got a really good mentorship from labor union organizers and uh, 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 you know, political organizers. And, and I came out of that with a view the strong view that a small group of dedicated people can change the world. It's really the only thing that ever has changed the world and that it's not about you. It's about others. And that you should always keep your eye on how to produce cooperative efforts and that it's better not to very often to lead from the front. You want to lead from behind. And um, so I've applied that. And then as ACT has developed, I've applied the principles that we've discovered are really central to psychological strength, resilience, flexibility. Those six principles that are now in the psychological flexibility model and built it into the organization. Uh, Some of those I knew from my political days I recognized, but some of them we added consciously. And I can review that when we get into the content of what ACT is about. Yeah. Can you give us a tour of how you led from behind when creating it and maybe sneak in some of those principles? Well, so for example, you know, I always tried to do my research with other people. I always tried to say yes and help them and stay, even stay off the publication if I can. I would rather get a team working on these concepts independently that don't feel in any way beholden to me. We set up standards early on that we will not certify therapists. We will, and why? Because as soon as you do, you create a hierarchy, and guess who's on top? The founders, the people who are there first, and their disciples. And you know, there's this little secret people die. And so when the founders die, it's disciples. 
And we see this all around, evidence-based therapy. I mean, just a few randomized trials are running out, trying to certify, anoint, have multiple yeah. levels, and you know, you're practically tithing to founders. It's shameful. That's not what science is about. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away. Have people change it, relabel it, mix it, match it, you know, use their own terms. It's all good. You know, do I want to be acknowledged? Sure. But a lot of that doesn't matter. You know, in the long run, that'll all be forgotten. What will be left behind is, are the, the, the scientific knowledge and the, the, the procedures and methods that move these processes and principles, and they will help your children's children's children, and they won't know it had anything to do with you. And so uh, we set up standards, actually, in our community that prohibited the selfish grab for attention, for, for money, for fame. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't always, I wasn't always clean on that. I mean, there is a part of me, of course, that gets a little narcissistic and all the rest. <laughs> But it put something in the culture. What happened is people started giving away. I mean, for example, we copyright our measures only so that no publisher can grab at them so that we can give them away for free. You know, we, we will not allow uh, people to come in. If you want to set up a proprietary wing with certifications and measures and so forth, you have to leave the recognized trainers list. Uh, as an act recognized trainer, you can do it. It's fine, free country. And I hope it helps people. But don't do it inside our house. You know, we want to be Linux, not Microsoft. And so the effect of that is, is the best minds come because they know they can change it, they can tweak it, they can add to it. Who decides what act is then the community does. And it evolves over time. We're doing things now that we know move the processes that are underneath and act with entirely new methods and techniques that fit populations, adolescents, whatever. And you want to do that, boy, with our blessings. All you need to show is that you're moving the processes that we care about or you're developing new ideas and that you uh, are in this open science community. Can I ask, Steve, there are so many different types of therapy modalities. It seems like there's a new one cropping up um, all the time how yours was so successful um i i just wonder how do you get this from an idea in your head into formalized guidelines principles uh how do you do legitimize it well one thing is be careful what the it is the it is not the method in my opinion that's not what's important you never trademark it you never protect it i mean if you're in the spirit of what i'm talking about What's important are the underlying processes and principles. So the basic science principles that then lead to processes of change. And so putting it into a model, if you ask me what's important about ACT, I would say the psychological flexibility model. If you say what's important about that, I would say the underlying basic science on relational learning and human cognition and how it links with evolutionary science and basic behavioral and neurobiological uh, knowledge about how the mind works. If you ask me what's important about that, I'd say the pragmatic impact that it has on others and creating kind of a community that can develop the new ideas going forward that are vetted by the good that they do and not chasing down these kind of ontological capital T truth things that get people into fights. Let's look at what actually lands in the betterment of human lives. Now that approach is radically pragmatic. It doesn't cling. It shares. And so, 
you know, if you were to come to one of our conferences, you'd see the compassion focused therapy people and the DBT people and the CBT people. And you'd, you know, you would see the functional athletic psychotherapy people and, and, you know, act people in it. It is not divided that way. What we are is really more of a philosophically coherent, pragmatic, uh, basic to applied wing of behavioral science. And not even behavioral science, because we want to nest with evolutionary science and basic biological science. So that, you know, you'll find major evolutionary scientists, David Sloan Wilson, for example, will be at our next conference, which starts in a couple of days. Uh, you know, major evolutionary biologist. That's the kind of game we're playing. And so one thing I would say, you know, it, it is like every week there's a new thing. Since we don't really kind of give a damn about ACT, uh, it's not a new thing for us. What we care about are the processes of change and how to put them in people's lives. And our new things are always more about building bridges, creating cooperation, creating connections, and not grabbing, saying, hey, what you're doing is really the same thing I'm doing, therefore it's mine, you should call it my terms, all that kind of nonsense. So uh, that builds a different kind of community that's, that's open and sharing. You can email almost anybody in the app community and ask for almost anything and you'll get a reply and it'll be fast and it'll be free. And uh, I tell my students, look, if somebody ever steals your ideas, be glad because that's how change happens. And the solution is have so many new and great ideas that your basic message is, please come and steal more. <laughs> you know, so, and that comes out of my political background, I think, but it also comes out of the model of this kind of open, cognitively and emotionally flexible, focusing on values and making a difference for the people that you serve and not for your individual difference. So I'm appalled by the long lists of specific trademark therapies linked to this, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it, um, delusional idea that suffering can be put into lists of signs and symptoms and we will find a latent disease under those categories. I don't think that'll ever happen. I think it's impossible for reasons I can explain. And instead, we need to be more like what happens with, let's say, cancer research or something. Get in the lab, figure out the basic processes, put them into application, and put them out there where people can use it. And if you do that, if hope people come up with new ideas, great. Will you come and talk to us? Will you play with us? Can we combine things? Can we see what the processes are? Will you tell me what the processes are? Do I have to be certified before I do this? Do I have to get an anointing from you? You know, so that spirit, it's, we're no longer threatened by that long list. Uh, well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Let's Get Psyched on KUCR. And we're talking with Dr. Stephen C. Hayes and ACT. Uh, well, uh, my next uh, uh, question for you, uh, Dr. Hayes, you mentioned values. Why is it, why did you believe it was important to incorporate values so closely uh, w with ACT? Flexible, fluid, and voluntary way. Yeah, but when you do all that, what that means is you can be here with a history in the present. And what is it for? Well, it's for living a life. What kind of life? The kind of life that you really want to live. Defined how? Well, I think there's a lot of evidence that really what motivates us are these intrinsic qualities of being and doing, the values, the things we want to put in our behavior. How do you know that? Well, just think of your heroes. Think of anybody that you look up to. 
I can guarantee you, you didn't look up to them because they have a new Buick. I can guarantee you that you didn't look up to them because of the, how much money they spend on their house. What did you look up to them for and why? It's because of what they stood for, yeah? Well, that tells me that there's a basic human yearning to stand for and be about something. And we see it in the basic data on intrinsic motivation. Even children have this. And you know, happiness is predicted by it. Misery is predicted by grabbing materialistic acquisition, disconnected from your values, living your values predicts these positive life journeys. So if you can get that far, then now we're motivated. Really what the issue is, how do you build behavioral habits that allow you to your life to unfold in the direction that you just determined or just said by the lighthouse and the distance that you picked, these qualities of being and doing that you can only show, but you will never possess. I mean, you can be loving, but you can never have love like an object that you can put in a box and say, yep, done, got it now. Now it's time to hurt people. I mean, it's, that's not what values are like. They're, no matter how much you've done a values-based journey, there's more to do. And so um, they're kind of the, where the rubber meets the road and where these kind of processes of openness, mindfulness, different terms people use, make a difference in people's lives. And by the way, they're always in our spiritual and wisdom traditions and in our religious traditions for a good reason. There are none that don't get around to values. Why? So I mean, they were there first. They were there before the shranks. And that doesn't mean we're religious leaders by being a, you know, a mental health person. But it does mean we should be wiser than simply trying to treat people as having latent diseases and not talking to them about what kind of lives they were going to live. So as part of the, the process of becoming of, of creating this thing that ended up being very large and conferring upon you sort of a celebrity status. And, you know, I, I, I know I see, I've seen that you've, you've spoken alongside some of the people who have made kind of an empire and an ego out of their therapy modality um, has, and, and are, I guess question one, are you a practicing Buddhist or Taoist or both? And if so, has the, the the ego wanting to form and wanting uh, partake greedily in in all of the affirmation uh, has that been something you've had to suppress in order to stay grounded and 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 keep true to what you're trying to do here? Well, I think part of my panic disorder came out came out of this kind of ego based process. So I had to really confront the storied self within that was you know driving me to insanity. Uh, early on. And I'm not a practicing anything in terms of uh, religious and spiritual background. Of course, I'm a child of the 60s. So we all read Suzuki and Watts and so forth. But when I when people started talking about mindfulness and things, I avoided those terms because I had lived on, on religious communes back in my hippy dippy days. And I had, you know, attended the conferences and the uh, enough to know that A, uh, there's people talking about interesting things and B, they have clay feet. I mean, the first Zen lecture I ever attended was from Joshua Sasaki Roshi. Go wiki him, he's dead now. But the old coot was nearly a hundred years old and chasing female acolytes. You know, yeah. so, you know, yeah. and then I lived on Ananda farm with uh, Kriyananda 
who was a, a disciple of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, you know, the hippy-dippy kind of uh, self-realization fellowship thing. You can be at two places at once if you meditate enough. Uh, you, you mentioned on, on another uh, talk that you did that you had some feelings about, uh, you know, that this that 10-day silent retreats are either for the, the rich uh, or for young students, but not for, for everyone. Um, well, I, well, if yeah, you I'm look curious. at what's actually happened, I mean, there's a pushback on mindfulness. Let's not grab at the form. What is underneath these traditions? And it, by the way, it's not just the Eastern traditions. It's in Judeo-Christian traditions. It's in all of our spiritual and religious traditions. Every single one of them has a mystical wing. Every single one of them has some sort of way of reining in the excesses of analytic judgmental language as applied to others and yourself every single one. And so whether it's repeated prayers or silence or chanting or koans. So I don't like this thing that we've done in the West of kind of grabbing on tr traditions, of course, doing the usual thing and putting it inside our almost commercial culture. It's fine. It's fine to be if meditating and all those things. I'm not speaking against it. I'm just saying Let's keep our eye on what we're really trying to do, which is empower human lives. And nobody nominated us as spiritual leaders. So I'm more interested in, with respect, learning from the, a broad range of clinical, deep clinical and wisdom traditions, and then turning that into tight analytic uh, concepts of processes of change. I mean, I'm a behavior analyst, I'm a rat runner, I'm a neo-scenarian. I mean, that's who I am. And people are a little shocked by the fact that ACT came out of that wing because it made early mistakes on language, for example. And it just got it wrong, in my opinion. But Skinner was brilliant, did great job until he hit human language, and then he didn't do such a great job. We think we've figured out how to help him over that hill, that tradition. But so I want these principles to be as tight and highly polished as the very best experimental science that we know. And you can't do that by just doing monkey see, monkey do with, with spiritual and religious traditions. And that's not sacrilege. To me, that's caring about human beings because we're not gonna go into the healthcare system. We're not gonna go into mainstream development by you know doing Buddhist this and Buddhist that. The Buddhists are doing fine. They were—they don't need our help. I mean, they were. There's more meditation retreats within 50 miles of where you sit than there probably are group psychotherapy sessions. So, in, if you—if that's your thing, do it. It's not my thing. And I didn't even use the word mindfulness until I got so popular I almost had to. And with—and what I did was is I sought out a Zen teacher, Amasami. I had him read my few articles about it. I said, "Is this right?" You know, because I didn't want to talk about it just out of my ear. I don't have any training in that. But I mean, I've tried to stay away from the woo-woo part of it because uh, with respect, uh, you know, if you take something like acupuncture. Acupuncture is on the lists, the NICE guidelines, the UK. They're not so nice. That stands for their, their acronym for the tough kind of what are the standards. Just came out with chronic pain and said, you know, acupuncture, yes. CBT, yes. ACT, yes. That's really cool. But the theory underneath acupuncture? Come on. There's no meridians. They're not there. 
they're not there. Now, if somebody wants to bust me and say, you're being culturally, okay, bust me. I'm an experimental scientist. And if we can't say this is scientific valid and this is not, then how are we going to move forward in a world in which there's many, 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 many different cultural traditions that have wisdom in them without necessarily think that that means that, for example, if we're going to do psychedelic therapy, we have to send people down to the forests of Brazil to meet a shaman. That doesn't make sense to me. That, that, that dog won't hunt. So I am, boy, I'm probably getting in trouble. You're getting me in trouble here, but <laughs> I, I want to be respectful, but I also want to be what I am. I'm an experimental scientist. And to me, the history of the human population in the world shows that that kind of science pays off if you do it well. And, um, and if you avoid the ways that it can get into cul-de-sacs, such as these kind of excessive commercial interests or narrow interests and so forth. So let's be respectful, but also let's use our best scientific tools. Yeah, and on, on that, because you, yeah, you've, you've taken a great deal of care and effort in building the foundations of ACT and, and so I, I'm wondering what uh, what is essential for a practitioner to that you feel isn't necessary for them to understand? Is it about uh, the uh, the controlling your inner how you control inner experiences, or is it about the uh, understanding language, the low role of language? Can you say a bit about that? Yeah, we well, we we start usually is experientially. Why? Because if you you can't teach what you don't know. If you're doing psychotherapy people are watching you and they are modeling you and they're influenced by you. I'll give you an example. If you're going to help people to be more emotionally open, even with areas that are difficult for them, and then not be clingy and grabby with positive emotions either, which is just as toxic, although people usually don't come for therapy for it. No, they get appointed to be chairs of departments. But if you're going to do that, you better know something about the dark emotions that show up for you or the clingy things that you do inside your own arrogance and ego. So why? Because your clients will see it. If they raise an issue that's difficult for you and you suddenly change the topic, detune the conversation, they'll read it and they will save you from that discomfort at the cost of their own therapy. And so we see this in the data on families and so forth. Psychological flexibility spreads like a social disease or like a positive process too and you could put it into the therapy room so we start with experience we start with your own heart your own head your own hands and then we try to teach uh, methods to move the processes while reading their change why because we know the processes mediate outcomes what difference does that make they're the proximal indications of change you cannot trust clients saying oh you helped me or seeing symptom change they don't reliably predict long-term follow-up but processes of change do. And so, uh, yes, we get into some of the geeky stuff, but I want to start out with your heart. You know, then we will go to a little bit to your head, your head, just enough so that you can start working on your hands. And uh, that whole person is the effective ACT uh, therapist. And they're never done. That's one reason we don't certify too. I'm still learning ACT. Absolutely. And there are better act therapists and better act trainers than me. And I go and I listen to them and I'm influenced by them. Can you say um, something about um, how, how, uh, where, how would you define psychological uh, disorders or psychological 
pain or suffering in, in, according to ACT? Like, wh what is a good way of thinking about uh, these, these concepts? Well, there are abnormal processes and, and disorders that, that, you know, does orient to things that, I mean, if you have brain injury, et cetera, that isn't just normal kinds of things. But if you follow people longitudinally with psychological flexibility measures done regularly, they predict so much about the development of what we call disorders. And conversely, so much about how people walk out of that, you know, whether it's PTSD or anxiety or depression or entering into substance abuse kinds of things that I think a better way to think about it, very much like the personalized medicine that you might see in oncology as we learn more about, you know, how, you know, the genome can be regulated by epigenetics or how oncogenes work or things like that. We need the kind of knowledge that allow us to dive in and say, you know, these processes are really important. And that importantly, they shouldn't be like, like personality things. They should be things you can change that are contextually bound. You can change it when you do, it changes lives. And so uh, by, by approaching it that way, we really end up with a very small set. My colleagues, Joe Sorochi, uh, Stefan Hoffman and myself have looked at every mediational trial ever done of a psychological intervention in the history of the world for a psychosocial outcome. We've gathered that entire body of literature. I know all the mediators, you know, the functionally important pathways of change. If you don't know the geek stat behind mediation, it's not important. Just the early indicators, the important things that are moved by therapy, that if you don't move it, you don't get positive outcomes. And if you do, you do. And you can summarize the entire knowledge of how people change or how people get into really difficult uh, life cul-de-sacs with labels like uh, you know, this disorder or that with a relatively small number of things. I mean, just a couple dozen things will take care of 90% of the literature. So given that, I, I hope that we move away from the syndromization of human suffering more in the direction of what NIMH tried to do with their research domain criteria, but then messed up because Insel determined the outcome. He said it's brain circuits and genes. That's cheating. You don't know what it is. Be open, let's see. You know, just like the early DSM was psychoanalytic, now we got the later busting up DSM and we say, well, we really know it's brain circuits. No, you don't. Dude, come on. And now he's apologizing for it 10 years later, having spent $20 billion. Excuse me, I don't want your personal apology. I want a, a approach that will help people. And so let's be Catholic with a small C. All of these processes of change should be able to play go back to the lab, go back to basics. What are the processes longitudinally for people that lead them in a positive or negative direction, learn how to move it, put that into human lives and that's evidence-based therapy. And I don't care if you call it ACT or you know, Uncle Fred the Wonder Slug. And that will do it for us here on this edition of Let's Get Psyched. Uh, today we talk with Dr. Stephen C. Hayes, developer of ACT. Thank you, Dr. Hayes, for joining us. Awesome, thank you. And if you, his work is very accessible. If you'd like to, his uh, one of his most recent books in 2019, A Liberated Mind, How to Pivot Toward What Matters. 
Thank you to our co-hosts, Drs. Toshi Yamaguchi and Alan Atkins. If you have comments, questions, suggestions for the show, you can write us at getpsyched on KUCR at gmail.com. You can also listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. If you like tonight's show, please follow us and post a review. This episode was recorded remotely in our homes. Our producer is Elliot Fong. Our production assistant is Ismail Gonzalez. I've been your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. Hey.